Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Give the gift of the best authentic Greek olive oil this Christmas, Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Imported directly from the Zordo's family gardens in Greece, this gourmet olive oil will be the best one-of-a-kind gift for any chef, foodie, friend, or family member in your life. This gift can be enjoyed all year round. Visit www.zordosoliveoil.com. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, and you are tuned in to HTM Sports right here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com and Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. This week we're presented by Zordos Olive Oil and Manscaped.com. Stick around for the biggest balls of the week. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV, Rick. Welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that part of the beat of the beat. Rick Victory back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. Hey, very fitting. Our, our sponsors this month, perfect for the holidays. You know, especially you know, if you're out there looking for a little romance, you know, show that you can cook. You spice up that dish using, using the olive oil. And then as you know, I mean, she's automatic. I mean, it's like an aphrodisiac is what this stuff is coming, you know, coming at you. So you're going to transition in the bedroom. You want to make sure that you're presentable. I mean, these go hand in hand. And if you're Michael Nakazawa, sometimes you do both at the same time. You never know. Huckleberry, I want to start things off with some college football this week. Then we got some baseball to talk about because the Yankees just got out the freaking checkbook yesterday and went completely buck nuts. And then we're going to wrap things up with a, a little bit of NBA and some NFL talk on the back end. Got to start things off, though, with the college football playoff. Huckleberry, of course, on Monday's locker room right here at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. We jumped into the final four, but last night I saw something, and I think Las Vegas is just completely trolling you at this point. Your final four teams, number one, LSU, is going to play number four, Oklahoma, in the Peach Bowl. LSU by 13 is the opening odds on that one. But this is the one that I know is going to get your goat. Number two, the Ohio State University. Of course, they're taking on the defending national champions, the undefeated number three, Clemson Tigers, in the Fiesta Bowl. Huckleberry, the line has opened. Clemson plus two. Even Vegas doesn't respect the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, once again, as I said Monday in the locker room, right here on the Hameen Media Group platform. Hey, you know what? I'm not. I'm not falling for it. The bait is not going to get me here. I don't care if you're. I don't care what you're dangling out there. Hey, and this this is a direct shot. They put us at number two, which they believe was an insult that would infuriate us. Now they're opening this line. There's that damn number again, two. So they're trolling us absolutely. But hey, this Buckeye fan, I'm not taking the bait. This right here, again, as I laid out already, is 
We know our fate. We know our destiny. What is ahead of us? So keep keep stacking it up against us. Keep stacking up. Put another barrier. We will just smash through another wall, and it'll make it all that more epic when we finally claim that national championship. I could not believe that it was Clemson plus two when I saw this line come out. I figured it could be as high as like Ohio State by four, but it's Clemson plus two. Rick, how does this work? Ohio State has been one or two in the country for most of the season, and yet you guys are dogs to Clemson? You know, the team that nobody has, they haven't played anybody. You know, Clemson, like, hell, there was talk that they may not even make the Final Four. They started off number one, they pushed them all the way down to number three, yet it's Clemson plus two. Well, let's really look at what how these lines are are driven. And this is about betting odds. So they're going to throw Clemson out here because they are anticipating a flood of cash being thrown towards the Buckeyes. So to try to sway that a little bit, they're going to open this thing up in favor of Clemson and maybe get some people to kind of, kind of look in that direction. But I mean, anybody with any common sense absolutely realizes and outside of, of these, these bookie marks in this playoff committee, anyone with common sense realizes who the true number one is and who the favorite should be. National Championship January 13th inside of the Superdome in New Orleans, right down the street from Louisiana State University. Looking forward to it, man. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. In LSU, it perfectly sums up the state of Louisiana. It perfectly sums up New Orleans. You know, it's a stench of lingering urine is what it's all about. Let's talk about some teams who may have a little bit of stench of lingering urine on their plate this year. Of course, I'm talking about the rest of the New Year Six. These are all the teams that were, you know, at one point in the conversation and magically fell out. Uh, Huggleberry, here are the matchups. Baylor, number seven in the country, is going to be taking on Georgia, number five at the Sugar Bowl. Number 24, Virginia, faces off with number nine, Florida, in the Orange Bowl. Number six, Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, number six, Oregon, versus number eight, Wisconsin, in the Rose Bowl. And number 17, Memphis, near and dear to your heart as they put down the Cincinnati Bearcats twice in the last couple of weeks, taking on the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions at the Cotton Bowl. Huckleberry, and then I'm going to throw this one in there. This one's not even a New Year's sixth game, but this is the game that everybody's going to be watching. It's the Citrus Bowl, number 13, Alabama versus number 14, Michigan. That's going to pop an absolutely insane rating at the Citrus Bowl. Huckleberry, any of these games stand out to you as, holy cow, I have to see that? Well, you know, absolutely. And as we're building this complete bowl season, you're looking for these interesting matchups outside the six. Number one, I mean, more so than, than someone that are inside the six, you, people got to be popping over. As you threw it out there, not, you know, not included there. Going to be a huge game, a huge rating for college football, and it's got to be Bama and Michigan, right? Yeah, I mean, that game's going to be incredibly exciting. And there's a lot of people that seem to feel like that's a must win for Jim Harbaugh. I don't think it's must win because I think he ends up in Carolina regardless. Well, I think, you know, just not for the sake of his job, even if he's looking for, you know, at another pasture, he's going to move on from there. Uh, I mean, this is a big, you know, just for him to say, hey, you know, it's that big exclamation point if he's going to leave the college game. He'll go out on, you know, it's not Ohio State, but this is a major win. I know they're a little bit down, but it is the Bama program. If you can get them in a bowl game here in a spotlight like this, hell yeah, that's great for you. And then overall, for the 
you know, just leaving, if you're going to leave the program in someone else's hands, this is a, a huge step forward uh, to get that snowball rolling. Unfortunately, the ACC is going to be represented in this thing by number 24, Virginia. Um, this is what happens when you have Clemson so good, and then you have the rest of the ACC. Rick, Florida is favored in the Orange Bowl by 13.5 points. That's the largest spread out of any of these games. Does Virginia even deserve to be in this game? Yeah, and this is, you know, it's, it's because of circumstance. So, I mean, you have to deal with what you presented. You lose Clemson there. You're going to have that representative coming in here, but I'm not really expecting much from them. I think this is this is going to be an absolute disaster. I think the best game on the entire thing, or at least the game that I don't know what in the hell is going to happen, like I just I have genuinely no idea, is Oregon and Wisconsin. Uh, if the Wisconsin defense can slow down Oregon, this could be one hell of a football game. If the Wisconsin defense can't slow down Oregon, this thing could be a route too, and it's Wisconsin by two and a half. Well, I like Wisconsin here. I think you know they're they're going to be able to push them around up front, but they're going to have to keep that momentum, keep that tempo. You don't want to see a letdown, as you saw, you know, in the Big Ten championship game where it seemed they could do no wrong in that first half, and they were they were dominant up front. Uh, defense was was in every bit of control. They're going to need to maintain that kind of momentum, uh, that mindset. But in this time, you know, do it for 60 minutes. Really need to shore up those special teams, too. Their special teams were just absolutely awful against Ohio State. Bowl season starts this Friday, Huckleberry. I know these are two games that you just, you're just you dying for. We were talking off the air, and you were giving me the full rundown of both of these games. The Makers wanted Bahamas Bowl. Yeah, looking forward to that. Buffalo versus Charlotte, 2 o'clock on ESPN. Buffalo by 6.5, the favorite in that one. And then we have the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Utah State versus Kent State at 7.30 on ESPN. Rick, I think it's a surprise to some of these teams, or some of the people listening, that these teams even exist. But these bowls, like... at are these just leftovers from like when the the BCS was going completely crazy and it was like you get a bowl and you get a bowl and everybody gets a bowl? No, I mean, let's, let's just look at this in a in a wider scope and on a positive a positive spin on these things. Uh, this is why I was in favor of the old bowl system. You know, these these are amateur student athletes, or they should be, and they will be for a little bit longer. Uh, all, you know, all depending on what we get ironed out by next year, but. Uh, if you're playing at a mid-major, yeah, obviously you have that playoff tier. That's set for the big boys, you know, your top dogs. But, I mean, shouldn't you get that experience? I mean, you have dedicated yourself to this program. You know, let's say you've been there for those four years. It's a huge commitment. To have a payoff like this, when you go into these bowls, even these, you know, as we kind of laugh at these smaller bowls, I mean, it's a, they're first class all around. And it's, it's a tremendous experience, something that they're going to, you know, remember for the rest of their lives. And, hey, I mean, there's a lot of financials invested in these as well. So getting even into these these smaller bowl games for these mid-major programs, I mean, there are tremendous paydays towards the athletic programs. Something I am going to remember for the rest of my life is where I was and what I was doing when I found out that the New York Yankees signed Garrett Cole for nine years. Three hundred and twenty-four million freaking dollars for a guy who's gonna play every five days. My God, yeah, we're we're gonna talk all about that. First, we gotta talk about Steven Strasburg. 
Steven Strasburg also signed an absolutely ridiculous deal. Seven years, $245 million to return to the Washington Nationals next year. Oh, yeah, and then there's Didi Gregorius, who has left the Bronx for Philly to go hang out with his old manager, Joe Girardi, because he didn't want to be around Garrett Cole. Uh, Huckleberry, I, I also included in your notes there the Nationals and their pitching rotation for next season. And three guys, they've got it just over $90 million wrapped up in three pitchers going into next season. Hit all three of these things, man. What do you make of this Garrett Cole story? Didi Gregorius bouncing out of the Bronx. Strasburg kind of surprising everybody and returning to the Nationals. What did you think was the baseball story of the week? Well, you know, the hot stove league, it is is definitely heating up, baby. Uh, it is hot in the kitchen. Everybody making those big moves. And what we're seeing here, these major paydays, is the importance, the emphasis behind having that strong rotation. And you, you see time and time again, when you're going to get down to that stretch, it's going to put you over that hump. What was the story with the Nationals and their incredible run here was the pitching. And, you know, you talk about, hey, it's crazy. These are, you know, we're talking about a position. You're talking about individuals that you're only getting, what, twice a week? Yeah, but Three I mean, times at best, but this but it's Nationals so rotation, Steven Strasburg next year, $35 million. Max Scherzer's like, hold my beer. I'm going to get $35.9 million. And then Patrick Corbin's getting $19.6 million. Chump, chump change, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what a deal that guy is, right? Yeah, Cor- Corbin, uh, yeah. Was he like the bum out there, like begging for change? And I mean, are you surprised to see pitchers starting to get this money? Like we've seen it from regular position players like the Mike Trout deal. But of course, you're assuming that Trout's going to go out there and play 150 games out of the season. You're going to get maybe 25 out of each one of these guys. Yeah, but but those but those wins there. I mean, you you pay them together, cohesive unit to keep them together. That's what. That's what projects you further. That's what carries you. We're seeing now these position players, they're getting they're getting cut short a little bit because I think you know a lot of these a lot of these franchises, these GMs are realizing that they can plug and play at those spots. So you can go, you can save in those areas, but you damn sure, you damn sure premium pitching is in demand. You better have that locked down. That's what you're seeing here. You know, on the front, it, it, what I really love is, you know, obviously the Yankees getting back in the big bucks game. You know, people, and it's always just, it's part of their reputation. Uh, but they've, they've taken a step back the last couple of years. You know, they haven't been up there at the top of the game in payroll. They haven't been overspending. But, oh, yeah, you know, the teams, the 20 teams, was the first decade, what, like 100 years that they didn't make an appearance in the World Series? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're damn sure looking to rectify that going into the 20s here. Uh, they're outspending. Everybody jumping on again. Oh, the Yankees just going out and buying, buying, buying. You know, I've never been of that of that mindset. I've never bashed them for that. Hey, uh, I actually I applaud the Yankees' efforts because hey, the, you know that Steck family up there, the Steinbrenners, it feels like they're the richest individuals in the world. They just reinvest in their baseball team. They are so committed to winning that they're willing to do that. They're going to go out and get the best available. They're going to pay them what they believe they're worth or what they can do to to lock them into the pinstripes because winning is so important to them. And I'm sorry, you know, there's other franchises. You got your mids and your lows and your small markets that have owners that their wealth just by far exceeds what the Steinbrenners have, but they don't reinvest the other businesses' financials into their baseball. So I get out of here with that. So I think all around, I'm not going to hate. Guys are getting paid. You are paid what you're worth. I don't really ever say anyone's overpaid. If someone's willing to pay you that, that's what you're worth. So kudos to those guys. I, I For those who don't know, 
I am a self-diagnosed Yankees fan. I was basically born in the pinstripes. My grandfather was a Yankees fan for 90 years. But this money is retarded. I mean, just just absolutely overinflated money to the gills. And my problem here is not that the Yankees gave Garrett Cole $324 million over nine years. My problem is a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. My problem is a team like the Cleveland Indians. My, my, my problem is a team like the Seattle Mariners, who, after seeing this kind of money, and having owners who are not going to spend that kind of money. Thanks for coming. Like, th- there's no not going to be any more parity inside of Major League Baseball. This is a symbol that the elite, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, teams that are going to spend $324 million over nine years, you're going to get all the good players. You're never going to retain any of your good players. Sorry, Seattle, if you've got that, you know, all-star shortstop coming up through the the minor league system, his ass is coming to New York as soon as he's available now that Didi already bounced out. Like, it's just, I don't like what this does to the league, even though I'm very happy that my team benefits from it. Well, you can go with that approach there as well. But you know, I really want to sit down. This is something I'm going to dive into before next week's show or maybe before we hit the weekend with the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. But you know, I want to see what the net worth of each owner in you know each group, what they are worth. And you know, how much are they really putting back into their baseball program? And you know, when it comes to you know teams that that are doing that, you know the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs. Uh, obviously, I, I'm not going to fault them. And we do have to talk about market size. I mean, isn't that just? I mean, that's just part of just not athletics, just not sports, but it's our society. It's it's our economy. Well, and it's also a lack of a salary cap. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what this all comes down to. The the teams with the big brands, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Yankees, the Red Sox, they can afford to pay $324 million because they're going to make that money up. Well, and absolutely. I mean, you're, you're talking about if you're going to do anything there, uh, you have to restructure. And you know, now we're going to get into profit sharing. And you're really going to start you know, mirroring uh, a system you know, like the NFL. But it, it, that has its faults as well. I mean, there with that profit sharing and all that, you have teams hell right here in Cincinnati with the Browns. They thought they don't care because they know they're getting their cut. The NFL set up. I mean, it's structured across the league. You know, people always laugh uh, when you know the Hamid Tarpin Torium is is doing well in, in that league. Is you know as well as it is in professional wrestling. Proof in the pudding right here in Cincinnati. Lowest attendance outside of a, a soccer stadium out there in San Diego, or, uh, L.A. That the Chargers are playing in. But the way they are set up, they could play in empty stadiums. And make money. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's all TV you know, contracts. It's, it's yeah. kind of that WWE deal where it doesn't matter how good the product is on the field. They're getting paid either way. Yeah. You, you got your you got your TV deals. You got your merchandise. All of that. Uh, and, and then the individual owners, their own, you know, what they're really worried about is their cut is their corporate box. I mean, and those all those are being bought up everywhere because they're tax write offs. I mean, they're just they're keyed in every year. You're not seeing those cuts there. Yeah. So, I mean. That league has issues as well. I just don't. I'm not going to fault Major League Baseball with their system and the one that's in place here. If a team is out there spending, hey, you deal with what's put in front of you, right? So if you're going to win, and if you are a big market like that, you sure as hell better be out there spending. And that's not to say that you know these other teams are not going to get their pops. You, you look at a team like Minnesota. You know, they'll go into the hole. They'll go into the hole for a couple of years, and then they know they'll have about two year window where they can come out and compete. 
And the fan base is just forced to accept the fact that the team's going to be awful for a couple of years because, hey, we had those couple of good years. It's just uh, capitalism, right? Uh, let's talk about the NBA a little bit uh, because there's two players that we got to talk about. One doing really, really good. One not doing so good. The good, Luka Doncic. Holy crap, kid. This kid, this kid is only 20 years old, Rick. Steve Nash is calling him the best 20-year-old that there's ever been in the NBA, which is just an absolutely asinine statement considering that Magic Johnson was in the league when he was 20 years old. But besides that, Luka Doncic, 30 points a game, 9.8 rebounds, and 9.2 assists. This kid's damn near averaging a triple-dub with 30 points. 20 years old. Has Mark Cuban struck again with these damn European players? Well, I mean, it's been a while coming. You know, he's been on the hunt. He's looking for somebody to kind of fill those those big shoes. Uh, and obviously, it looks like, you know, early indications that he has absolutely hit a, a huge, a huge home run here. Uh, the Shark Tank paying off down there. And obviously, you, you talk about, you know, Nash and the praise. And that's what it's about. You know, we're moving forward. We don't need to rely on you know what was in the past here. Uh, it, it might have been great if he made mention, even made mention of magic so that it gives people a real idea of you know what level this kid is on. Have you seen much of this kid play? There is not a shot in that freaking building he can't hit. Well, absolutely. I mean, you turn on any sports network out there, uh, you're watching highlights. He's all over them. Now the bad is Zion Williamson. Rick, it's been six weeks the team is 6 and 15 without him. He's starting to do a little bit of light walkthroughs with the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans have already come out and said we're putting him on the Kawhi plan. It's going to be load management. He's not going to play the second night of back-to-backs. Like we kind of talked about this before the season started that I was a little bit more worried about Zion going into the NBA than you were. Now that we're six weeks in, a quarter of the way through the season, and he hasn't even hit the floor yet, talk me off the ledge. Well, it, I know you're a little worried here that they got him on the letter plan, but I mean, this is a major investment for them, and this is a marathon. You know, this isn't a sprint. They, they have to protect their investment, right? So, baby steps here. Let's get him back. Uh, hopefully, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of him since he's been injured. Uh, hopefully, you know, they, they had him on a, on a weight plan. You know, they're, they're, he's getting proper diet and all that. They're, they're rehabilitating. He, he's got to get back down. And you are exactly right, Drucker. You know, I, I thought he'd be able to overcome it. He, he's such so gifted, you know, once in a, a generation uh, athlete. But that frame, it, it was very worrisome. And, I, and it caught up with him. And, you know, we went from, you know, comparing, you know, could he be up there with like a, a Wilkinson or something? And, and then comparing him to Lamar, or not Lamar, but uh, Greg, Greg Odom. Greg Odom that came out of Ohio State, you know, just that incredible athlete, but that frame just not really made for that wear and tear, the physicality of the game. I'm worried about him. I'm really worried about him. And I'm worried about New Orleans because that team is awful and they really, really need the Zion Williamson treatment. Because, I mean, as soon as he hits the floor, the energy is going to go through the freaking roof. But the other thing that's going to go through the roof are expectations. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. Like, there is no reason that team should be 6-15 and 15 for the next 24 games. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just not in, in Zion. We're talking about this investment. This is a very young, uh, presumably talented team. 
uh, it's been mind blowing to see that they haven't been able to gel almost like whatsoever without him, but you're expecting it to go to that next level, that, that vibe, that excitement, that energy most certainly is going to be there, but don't get too excited. I mean, as a franchise, they don't need to get too excited as a fan base. They need to understand, you know what I'm saying? This is a marathon, not a sprint. So be patient. And you, you guys are a little bit out of this thing. It's not like he's coming back. Is he going to elevate you to a playoff level? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of growing that still needs to be done in New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead. Let's shift over to the NFL. And Huckleberry, we have to start with what I heard last night, finally dubbed Banglesgate. The New England Patriots caught filming the sidelines of the Cincinnati Bengals. At least that's the headline. Oh, the Patriots are cheaters again. Rick, are you following this story? Do you think that oh, this is the same load of bullshit that I think it is? Well, I don't know on the national scale uh, what kind of attention this thing is getting. But as as you know, we're recording right now. I am in southern Ohio. I am in Cincinnati. Uh, it is everywhere here. I mean, it is dominating sports talk. It's dominating just news talk. It is everywhere in in everywhere in between, if you will. But it's it's more. It's not like in a, in a serious fashion uh it's more of a you know it's how many jokes can we come up with around here about this now so you know to me i when i first responded to this thing you know come on uh this this obviously is you know saint the saint of the hood saint bill you know just trying to to give the Bengals some pointers correct <laughs> you know he wants to get some film on them so when he's in town this weekend you know hey guys you know maybe you do these things a little bit different you know we'll get your role we'll get you We'll get you maybe that net that second win next week. It's not going to happen against us, but we'll get you that next win next week. You can take care of the Dolphins, and then I'll, I'll give you some tips to get rid of the Browns there in the closer. So maybe he's just reaching out to help. Uh, maybe on the other side of this, you know, the Patriots are cheating. They they do have a grander a grander plan. This is a part of a bigger scheme, if you will. And they just well, you know, if you're going to practice new cheating methods, right, do it on the Bengals so that no one's even expecting you're doing it. Well, here's the thing, okay. If they're going to practice new cheating methods, here's one way not to do it. How about you don't go and get press credentials from the Cincinnati Bengals so that you don't go and sit in the press box surrounded by Cincinnati Bengals officials and you don't wear a New England Patriots hoodie while you're doing all of this and then sit there and film the Cincinnati Bengals sidelines. Like this is the worst idea no. in the history of cheating. That's, that's the brilliance of it. It's so <laughs> obvious that they couldn't be cheating, right? I mean, like, you know what this is? If you're going to go into a visiting team's press box, wearing the colors of the team and then go and film their sidelines, you know what that gets you? That gets you the Manscaped Balls of the Week Award. That's right. If you got the balls to videotape an NFL sideline while wearing your team's gear, then you better make sure that your balls are manscaped. It's jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, and it's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't snag your nuts. 
It's also waterproof, so you can take it into the shower. The Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect holiday gift this season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice now and there. Don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls, as Lacey Evans would say. That's just nasty. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent will attract anybody if you're in the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package 2.0 also comes with a Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. It's time to upgrade, get rid of those used boxer briefs, and get time to Manscaped. So right now, if you go to manscaped.com, put in our promo code STEVIE20, you'll get free shipping along with 20% off at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping, promo code STEVIE20, manscaped.com. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Huckleberry, the Patriots completely get the biggest balls of the week award, if this is true. Which is exactly why this isn't true. What this right. was, this it was brilliant. This was filming for a web doc series called "Do Your Job," which is basically the Patriots' mantra, and it was on an advanced scout. What's an advanced scout do when they go to a visiting team's game? They sit there and they watch the sidelines. This was an independent film crew. Belichick says that they didn't have anything to do with it. I'm inclined to believe them. Sounds like the NFL is inclined to believe them. And if this wasn't the Patriots, we're not even having this conversation. Well, you know, this is a perfect tie in here. Some exciting news that dropped uh, on the Hami Media Group platform here. MSG uh, with a major announcement coming in 2020, a, a new podcast solely about one of my favorite shows. You know, I, I'm over the top with it. South Park, a podcast about South Park. Coming to the Hami Media Group. Now, I got to ask you, Doug, have you ever seen the episode? I know, I know you're kind of here and there with South Park. Have you ever seen the episode, the, the Patriots cheating episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it is absolutely one of the classics. Cartman goes undercover uh, for like $100 into an inner city school to, to help these kids. How do I reach these kids? So he's, <laughs> he's, he's dressed up as like this 40-something-year-old Hispanic teacher. And he's there to teach him the white way, and that's the Patriot way, which is cheating. <laughs> Peach, I just—it's one of the, the, the classic episodes out there. And at one time, they decided let's go out and win on our own. And they lost. Well, that's exactly what the Patriots did this week. I mean, like you know, maybe they should have done this against the Kansas City Chiefs. They fall to the Kansas City Chiefs, twenty-three sixteen. Actually, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. Uh, the Patriots got fucked this weekend. Uh, whether it was the the fumble that they didn't call that was going to clearly go for oh a my touchdown, God, you're actually going to go there. Whether it's Nikhil Harry in the there. end zone, which was clearly a touchdown, they get a field goal instead. The Patriots absolutely got fucked. And you know what's hilarious? I live in the Kansas City TV market, right? The Chiefs are basically the local team, even though we're hundreds of miles away from Kansas City. So I have a lot of fans you know, that I consider acquaintances that are Chiefs fans. And you know what? They're all like, yeah, they got fucked. Oh, well, they deserved it. And that's basically the attitude that everybody has here. Yeah, the Patriots got screwed. We know the Patriots got screwed. We just don't care that the Patriots got screwed because it's good to screw the Patriots. 
you know, give me a break here. I, I can't believe that you even went to play that card. I've seen a handful, especially up there in the Northeast, the boo-hoo from the Patriots. You're talking about a, a program that is, that is gifted. You know, they, they, they earn, they earn quite a bit, but you know, you earn the opportunity you earn when you, you get those calls. Absolutely. But to, to sit there and nitpick at every little thing, when we can go back week after week and find questionable calls, you know, where the Patriots are, are manipulating or they're overworking the referees. I'm not hating on them. They've got to work the system. They're winners. But to sit there and now try to boo-hoo when things didn't go your way, give me a break. Oh, I'm not boo-hooing. Uh, let me ask you this question. Can you sit here today and tell me that you believe the Kansas City Chiefs are a better team than the New England Patriots after watching that game on Sunday? Because I can't, regardless of what that scoreboard said. I actually, you know, at, at this point, I'm not really high on either of these teams. I think they're a little bit overrated into this season. I think that's fair. Uh, which is which is going to, what makes, you know, the more importance here is this pecking order. And I think, you know, getting that number two spot to be able to get that by is going to be major because, you know, even hosting in the playoff, in the wild card round, I could see either one of these teams getting picked off. Yeah. Even at home. Yep. Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, I think the much bigger story is the officiating, not because of the Patriots, not because of the Chiefs, just because the NFL officiating has been absolutely freaking miserable this season. So much so that even coming out of NFL League offices yesterday, they're saying we're going to be taking a look at the officiating this offseason and what we can do to improve it. Because all the way around, week after week, it seems like we're coming on here and we're talking about Team X got screwed because of shitty officiating this week. Well, and, you know, I, I want to take a different angle here. You know, everyone, we're, we're quick. We're, we're going at the face who we're seeing. We're going right at the zebras here. But is it, this is a deeper issue that needs to be addressed. The NFL needs to look at themselves. They have overcomplicated this game that, you know, they're trying to police all these absurd rules out there. And you're going to get these questionable calls because they're under this microscope. They're, you know, and there's a lot of gray area, how things are, are laid out in this rule book. They're trying to make these judgment calls. You know, it, Obviously, you have to protect the players. I mean, this is a dangerous, high-impact game. That's what's at the forefront, and that's why these rules were put in place here. Uh, but, you know, you go back. I mean, human error, the human element is a part of the game. You go back to when the rules were defined down and they were easier to understand, you saw less of this. I don't think that's the case. I think the problem is there's more cameras now. Every game has 15 cameras on it. Every game is available nationwide for what whatever team that it is you want to watch this given Sunday. And we've got all these cameras, and we're going to show you how bad the officiating is because we're going to show you a replay of every play from 15 different freaking angles, and you're going to clearly see that the officials were wrong. As the advancements in technology have progressed, the NFL rules and how things are handled inside of the game itself have not. So we as viewers are seeing how awful it is. The officiating is just as bad as it always was. We just weren't seeing every game every week. We were only seeing two games a week if we were lucky. Tremendous point, Jargo. And, you know, and just not just, you know, thank you, Vince McMahon and the XFL for all these different camera angles. You know, one of the, the great things that did come from the first run with the XFL. Absolutely. Uh, but, but, you know, in addition to that, just what we're able to see in game. But now all these other platforms, you know, I mean, how many sports channels are there out there? Yeah. You know, dozens of them. 
You know, even just inside one umbrella, I mean, ESPN, all the way up to the Ocho, or, you know, how many Fox outlets are there? And then you go to social media, you know, you get YouTube and all that. So as a consumer, we're getting hit with it everywhere. So you're constantly seeing this play out over and over where you go back in a day, you know, even, you know, you and me in our 20s, you see maybe a highlight reel once and then it was done till the end of, you know, till next week. And a lot of the games were shot like NBA games where, or like a WWE show that where there was a hard cam at the 50 yard line and it went back and forth. And that was pretty much all you see. You didn't have like six different pylon cams to see if this guy got into the end zone or if his foot was out of bounds. And it, I mean, how, how close are we to just eliminating that human element? And going with robots. Well, and we hear about this in baseball all the time, especially when it comes to balls and strikes behind home plate. You know, I, I you hate to say that we want to take that human element completely out of the game, but we got to get it right, too. You know, well, obviously, you know, speaking of baseball there, one of the things that just irritates me to no end during a game is when they have that damn strike zone box up there. Yes, absolutely cannot stand it and then even even more so is the mark target wants to sit there and argue about every placement with it mm-hmm. yeah just ridiculous let's talk about the cowboys cowboys fall to the bears bears aren't interesting it's not the fact that the bears won this game that's that's important it's the fact that the cowboys lost this game and rick it now seems a foregone conclusion that jason garrett is going to be gone your boy urban meyer was on the herd with colin cowherd yesterday and basically said hey if the dallas cowboys call you pick up that phone like this is one of those jobs you pick up that phone. We're also hearing Lincoln Riley thrown around quite a bit, the current coach of Oklahoma that maybe he would be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Rick, who do you think is going to be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys because it sure sounds like Jason Garrett is basically a lame duck coach at this point. Well, you know, absolutely going back to what we had mentioned last week. I mean, this this is a this is a tremendous score. For, you know, just outside of the history, the legacy, you know, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, you just all the pieces are there. You know, this is like someone handing you the keys to, you know, a, a brand new what, Porsche, Lamborghini, something like that, some high end automobile. Uh, it's like you get three sports cars all at once. You get the yeah, Zeke, the Dak right. and the Amari. Yeah, well, and, and, and obviously you have a unique atmosphere down there, but in in. It might be a little difficult to work under at times, but you know you have an owner who is driven for success. He wants championships. You know, it's a complete opposite of you know last year in Cleveland. You know, as you're saying, when when the you see the area code is Dallas, Texas, or, or out there in Arlington, wherever the hell they're at, uh, you pick up. Well, last year you had all these nice these nice toys and everything was great up there in Cleveland. But when you see that area code up there, <laughs> you realize it's the Browns. You don't necessarily pick up. That's how they get stuck with a with a, a kitchens. And now we're talking about, you know, the elite of the elite looking at taking this job down there in Dallas. Uh, I absolutely would love to see Urban Meyer down there. Uh, it, but it is kind of funny. And I'm not one of those that fall under that. But in so many ways, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they're kind of like the Brock Lesnar of the NFL, not in their dominance and all that. Uh, but, you know, as you put over there, Jargo, this isn't about the Bears winning that game. You know, people are tuning in each week just to see them lose. It's not really about the opponent. It's just about if the Dallas Cowboys can lose. Yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm going to throw this out there to Jerry Jones and I, I very well could end up regretting this. All right. Cause I, I haven't heard anybody give this take anywhere when it comes to who should be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I call the Baltimore Ravens and I say, I want Greg Roman. 
Uh, we, we have seen what he has done with Lamar Jackson. We have seen what he did with Colin Kaepernick. Rick, does Dak Prescott not fit that mold? Especially if you're going to give him Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. It's a matter of time until somebody comes and picks this guy off. I think it should be the Dallas Cowboys. Well, it is. You say, you know, the interest from the Cowboys side of this, you know, think about the individual himself. I mean, this is a perfect scenario for your style. You've proven your success here. And he's never been a head coach. And this is a blueprint for you. I mean, this is like a dream situation to step into this thing. It's not, hey, we got to go try to find the, the pieces to your puzzle. They're there. They're absolutely there. Hey, you know, bigger, bigger picture here. You know, we're talking about Harbaugh on the move, Urban Meyer going to Dallas. Hey, I, there's some other teams there inside the NFC East that could use head coaching. How about Harbaugh goes like to New York, takes over the Giants. So we, we get that rivalry renewed. Uh, and that, that would assure assure that Dallas whoops the shit out of out of New York for years to come if they can have those coaches there. And then there's the Redskins, which are basically like the NFC version of the Cleveland Browns, right? Like you see that area code pop up and you're not answering the phone. Absolutely. I mean, just the, the entire area is just a complete waste. That team is a, a disaster. Well, it's, I mean, it's what, Dan what Snyder. I mean, just the, the ownership is just awful. You know, another South Park mention here. South Park podcast coming. The Hummy Media Group. You ever see the, the one where the, where the kids use the Redskins name for their GoFundMe? No, I don't think <laughs> I've seen that one. Oh, it's great. Uh, it they just they start using it and... It's the whole point is they don't do anything. It's just send us your money. Uh, they, they're the Redskins. They steal the logo because it's not trademarked. It's just go fuck yourself. And then they have uh, like Dan Snyder and the former coach quarterback and all that. You got the Redskins showing up and they're like pleading with, with the kids to stop using it. We were once a proud people and now you're exploiting us. Oh my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's tremendous. Uh, Philly gets past the Giants sticking in the NFC least. 23-17 in overtime. Yeah, they needed overtime to get past Eli Manning, making him look like he's Peyton Manning. Rick, so now it's all tied up in the NFC least. Six and seven, good for first place in the NFC least with a tie between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Dallas currently holds the tiebreaker. These two teams are going to play very, very soon. D- like, it's just because it's Philly and Dallas, right? Like the, these are two historically important teams and, and, and they're just absolutely miserable. That's why we end up talking about them every week, right? Because we should have written off this entire division like three months ago. You know, I, I asked the question immediately following this game and seeing what happened to the Cowboys as well and all that. I mean, does, does the NFC East, does that championship have like an STD? Because it's like nobody wants to touch this thing. Nobody wants to get with it, get with anywhere near this thing. As soon as you think someone's going to be able to pull away or someone's going to get back into this thing, boom, I mean, it's an absolute disaster. STD, it, that's a that's a super tough dude, right? <laughs> There's nothing super tough about that division. No. I'll tell you that. So. Uh, you, you make tough that to watch. About, well, you know, <laughs> to, about history is – and you talk about, you know, when we're coming up, I mean, you feared every team inside the NFC East. I mean, we were talking, you know, regularly, whoever could emerge from that, who survived – that division was a Super Bowl contender and all the proud history of programs and the, the franchises that stood up in the NFL are very similar now to a Notre Dame where you have an incomplete generation that is, is laughing at them, that doesn't acknowledge you know, that history or understand the importance behind it. Yeah, that's 
sad but true. How about, yeah, how about that with Notre Dame? Their fans in an uproar. Go back real quick to college football. Uh, you know, outside two losses this year, correct? Uh, not in a big game. Not even actually, they're in the Camping World Bowl, and it plays like on a Saturday at 11 a.m. against Iowa State. Yes, against your, yes, your one of your boys out there. Oh no, no, we hate the freaking Cyclones. Um, Let's talk about another Big 12 team. Speaking of Iowa State, let's talk about two more Big 12 teams, the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints. At least it sure seemed like they were playing Big 12 football. 48 to 46. No defense at all. Yeah, I, I, I will give 49ers a little bit of credit because Bosa went out very, very early in that game, which completely changes the defensive game plan. But still, 48 to 46? My God, you know what happened? Drew Brees got a hold of our podcast. He listened to it and was like, I'm going to show that fucking Jargo motherfucker. Drew Brees goes out there and just lights the fucking shit up. Jimmy G goes out there, looks like he's freaking Tom Brady. Rick, was this just an anomaly? What the hell was this? Well, you know, this is two high-powered offenses going out there and just throwing haymakers at one another. And it, and it absolutely, it was it was fun to watch. It was uh, it was an exciting game, edge of the seat, back and forth. And it's what you know the NFL wants from you know for ratings, to get people talking, get them excited. My worry is though, do you, you enjoy a game the, like this though? Not necessarily. You know, I'm one of those people that, that defends this last year's Super Bowl where people were just all over it because in this society, you know, it's the dot dot guy. If they want over the top, they want you, you know, all the big moves, all the hit songs. That's what they want. And that's what you got here. I'm okay. I like the defensive struggles. I like when the game is balanced and you're seeing and hitting, you know, you're hitting all the marks in there. Uh, to me, what's, what worries me about for each of these teams is when you do get into the playoffs, when you do get into that postseason situation, these teams buckle down and you, you rely more on defense. I and mean, that's not going to be, you know, you're not going to have all those options available there. Uh, so you're going to have to rely on it. So if you look at the other side of the ball, also looking at your special teams, there's there's issues. Mm-hmm. Ravens escape the Bills 24-17. Rick, we, we both picked Buffalo to win this game. They didn't win this game, but they did exactly what we said they were going to do. This was Lamar Jackson's worst game as a pro. By far. The Bills' defense, they, they held them to 40 yards rushing. Had like 180 yards passing and 61 of those yards came on one play. The Bills absolutely shut them down, just like we said they were going to, but the Ravens escaped. Well, I and you know I think that's the bigger point here. Uh, the Bills did everything you have to do to beat this team, uh, and they continue to silence the naysayers. I'm one of them. I've, I've come around. This was a very talented team. The Bills did absolutely everything they possibly could here, but still couldn't get the job done. I think that's very telling. It's got to be terrifying for the rest of you know just the AFC and the league in in, in whole. The poor Buffalo Bills right now, I mean, they're, they're struggling. This is a very talented team, but they just cannot get out of that mid-card. Yep, just stuck. Let's go ahead. Let's take a look at Week 15, the the best games of the week, I guess, if you can call them that. The Bears at Packers. Green Bay favored in this game by four and a half. Rick, this game terrifies me, absolutely terrifies me, because the Packers should beat the Bears, but I just I don't trust them. Here they are, the number two seed in the freaking conference. It's like they're they're New England West, right? Like the Packers are having a great year. Look at the record. Look at the standings. Why don't I trust the Packers? Well, again, you know, you look around here, 
the schedule was very favorable to them. I, I know that you know they played one of the, the, the tougher ones, but they got a lot of those big games at home. They were able to play at home early. They got themselves out in front of the rest of this division. Uh, but as you said, they're still – I know this defense has you terrified and going in where so many of us were so high on these guys, especially when they were rocking and rolling early on. Hey, this is what they're about here. You know, even going back to the preseason, you were questioning that. Can this, you know, you put out there, yes, they are talented. They are trying to build more around that. Got the great payday there with Rogers. They're trying to distribute more on the other side of the ball here. Uh, But you had worried, you know, what was the shelf life? You know, the bend and when are they going to break? You kept questioning that. And that's got to be the major concern. Better not break against Mitchell Trubisky. I will lose my fucking mind. Texans at Titans. Rick, two weeks ago, we thought that the Texans might be a real contender. And then last week, they go out and they get beat by the Broncos 38-24. You know, maybe we should start talking about the Titans because Ryan Tannehill, since he took over for Marcus Mariota, all he's done is win six out of seven. Yeah, hey, they're they're moving. They're, they're rocking and rolling here, and this is where you want to this is where you want to pick up your steam and catch fire. Very very confusing division that whole AFC South. I just and you know you, you go again here with uh, you know the Texans are so up and down too. I mean it's this night and day team with them. Yeah, they're they're a very very strange team. Rams at Cowboys, Rick. Somehow this game has got to be Rams plus one and a half. When this game opened in Vegas, it was Cowboys plus four. And the line has moved all the way to Rams plus one. I don't think I've ever seen a spread change that much. Rams coming off the blowout of the Seahawks, 28-12. to Last week, we thought Seattle might be the best team in the NFC. Then they go down to L.A. and the Rams just beat them up. This is a must-win for Los Angeles. They have to win to stay in this thing. The Cowboys can lose and hell, they might stay in first fucking place. Hey, this is a repeat headline with us each and every week. The Rams are in a do or die situation. They are playing for their postseason lives right now. They, they know they've got to turn it on. What we saw last week completely shocked me, blew me away. I thought, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if it being a competitive game. I thought the Seahawks would get the edge in the end, but the Rams absolutely dominated. They're showing the glimpse of the team that, that we came to know last year that was lighting the world on fire. They're going to need to come out and do that, you know, every week here in, the, in these closing weeks and, and hope that's enough to get them in. What do you, do you like them here? I, I think I think they're going to go down here and take care of some business. And I think that's proven there what we've seen in this, this swing, this shift in this line. I think they're going to, too. It's, it seems like all of a sudden they remembered that the team plays really, really well when they give the ball to Todd Gurley. Like, all of a sudden, Todd Gurley has just become Todd Gurley again. Uh, And I think that he's going to be able to run on this Dallas defense. This Dallas defense has been so overhyped all freaking season, and they're just not that good. And Gurley gets going, that gets Goff going with the play action, and then watch out, because as soon as Dallas gets behind, they will completely abandon Zeke. Like, it seems like every time they get down seven points, and it's just the Dak Prescott show. Well, you know, the Rams talking about the Rams, they're sitting in the seven spot right now, eight and five. They're one game behind. One game behind Minnesota at nine and four. Yep. Uh, You know, and you got these, what's going to be very interesting here, they could absolutely make a move is because we got all of these division games Mm -hmm. coming up, you know, to close out these last three weeks. There's some very interesting matchups. They, they quite well, you know, they, they keep playing with that intensity at that level, that caliber. They could see themselves going to this dance here. 
Can you imagine? When is the last time that we saw three teams from a division? Yeah, it's a really good division. Sunday night game, and I can't believe this has got huge playoff implications. The Buffalo Bills go into Pittsburgh to face off with the Steelers, who nobody knows who any of their players are. The Pittsburgh Steelers are just a hodgepodge of guys that they got off of the street and undrafted free agents and just an absolute mess. And somehow Mike Tomlin has them in a playoff hunt. Pittsburgh by two is the line. Rick, do you think the Steelers can beat the Bills? This is big for them. As I was just talking about the Bills, you know, they're looking to break out of that mid card. <clears throat> We're talking about must wins. I feel like this is a, a certainly a must win situation for this team to make a statement. And they're going to be taken serious as a contender into this postseason. Uh, and you're talking about all around implications, though. The Bills sitting at that five, nine, and four. Obviously, Pittsburgh eight and five right there at the six. But you've got Tennessee, as we were just talking about as well. No, they're right Surgeon. there. Uh, at eight wins. So there's some hungry, very good teams that are catching fire right now. This is a huge game for the Bills. Uh, And also on the other side of this, you know, to keep continue rolling, you know, defying all the odds here for the Steelers. This is great positioning. And it's going to actually, I mean, you're going to, I know we're talking about the two wild card here, but you'd rather go in as that five. So you're taking on, you know, a more comparable opponent. Absolutely. So let's go ahead. Let's throw it over to the locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah! All right, Huckleberry. I got two games this week. I'm going to be watching very, very closely. Seahawks at Panthers. Seattle favored by five and a half in this game. After seeing what happened to Seattle in Los Angeles, now I'm expecting them to fly all the way across the country, play in an early game at Carolina, and you're telling me they're favored by five and a half? Uh uh! I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. And then I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Rick, we're, we're trying, we're chasing history when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, as it stands right now, he could be the first quarterback in history to throw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. He's getting awful close. Come on, Jameis, I'm pulling for you. Tampa Bay favored by three and a half. Uh uh-uh! uh. Going with the Detroit Lions. What you got? Ooh, nice, man. He right up there with a tremendous stat there. Uh, right there with Jose Canseco. Remember the big deal back in the day when he went to 30 <laughs> for 30? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that stolen bases and home runs are a little more of a, a an honor bestowed on you than throwing the 30 interceptions. 30 interceptions. <laughs> it's a real possibility. I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to go with that game with you, sir. Uh, Taking the Lions in that one, liking them at home here. This is a, a meaningless throwaway outside of you know the history that you've laid out there for everyone. But this is the game exactly where the Lions show up and just give that that little bit of hope, a glimpse of hope to their fan base. Then get things going here in an absolute throwaway, mean nothing game. Uh, next week, I, I'm sure they've got a, a great division opponent coming in. If it's Green Bay, Minnesota, and they'll return back to the ways of the Lions and getting their asses handed to them. But this week, believe, believe in the in the in the silver there. Uh, another one here, you know, getting down, to, getting down to the the nitty gritty teams that are, are still available, and, and I think this is one of those as well. Uh, it's they're going to come out here. We're going to be talking about this next week. We didn't see this coming, but I'm going to jump on it. Shock the world! I'm going to go with the Chargers hosting the Vikings. Uh, I think that's going to be a little bit of a speed bump for them. Man, this. 
Los Angeles Superchargers could be the real hiccup inside of the NFC North because they got the Green Bay Packers. If they can end up getting the Minnesota Vikings, too, could be a real problem going on out there in L.A. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Shout out to our sponsors. Of course, we're talking about Zordo's Olive Oil. Make sure that you give the gift of olive oil to your favorite foodie this holiday season as well as manscape.com be like the new england patriots show off those great big beautiful balls and make sure that they are trimmed if thanks to manscape.com you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv how do the peeps the freaks and the tigers find you well this uh this friday evening if you're if you're out and about in the Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio area. Make a trip on down. Visit me at Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling in Addison, right there, right on the river, right on the border, right? I mean, that's what the name says. Battle on the Border, that is a huge lineup down there. We got Brian Thelman Jr. We got, we got Ben Hamid's tag team partner, Congo Kong coming in, Adam Rose, Marty Janetti. It's it's the reunion. First time in years, the Highlanders of WWE fame, the tag team, they're getting back together. They're all on that show. Friday night, I'll be there in Addison, Ohio with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, and then they're kicking it around themselves on Saturday night. Stick around, make it a, make it a, a little bit of a vacation. Uh, they're heading to Hamilton, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati for another big night of in-ring excitement. Unfortunately, I will not be there Saturday as I will be making my way to Columbus, Ohio with Revolution Pro Wrestling, making my debut as the, the MC for the evening ring announcing. Uh, very excited to, to add that to the resume. Uh, another uh, a tremendous learning experience. Outside of that, all the pro wrestling going on this weekend. We got shows, shows, shows. We're going to be all over them on Facebook and on the media discussion group. So make sure you're checking us out there. Uh, is there a yeah, WWE's this weekend? Correct. So we got a, a pick em challenge going on. You want to check that out? Or you just keep up with me, Rick Victory, across all social media at The Real RPB. We'll talk to you a little bit later on this week for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like a progress. See ya.